And I did, I did loads of research. I did about 20 hours, right? I got really involved. I'm the type of person that will look on Google and go for every link I want them. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the sound of Adrian Benjamin. He's our special guest today and he's involved in the life insurance finance and property sectors you're going to learn a little bit more about him in just a moment now if you're listening for the first time welcome i go by the name of adrian daniels your host and you're now tuned into the sound of Aquila podcast of this the show where we chat with colorful creatives and entrepreneurs from a ghanaian background or interest bringing you one step closer to Accra, wherever you are promoting global ghanaian excellence to the world just to remind you you can get the show notes for today's episode by heading over to the forward slash adrian benjamin that's the forward slash adrian benjamin or just visit our website the and smash the show notes button okay now just to remind you guys we are also on instagram linkedin and youtube just just search for the sound of a crowd and we'll come up now without having to delay this any further let's get straight into the episode leave us a review of listening on apple podcasts and i'll catch up with you soon okay so uh we're now um <laughs> Uh, you're now tuned into the sound of a crowd podcast i've got my twin not my twin but um, he's called adrian as well so this is a little bit this is a, a rocky adrian versus adrian kind of a you know show so we got not adrian daniels but adrian benjamin how about that adrian benjamin you know i've never heard anyone anyway. say my name that much in my entire life before. <laughs> i love it adrian benjamin you know i've never heard of a surname called benjamin but i love it you know what i mean i love it yeah. you never guess in a million years this brother is from west africa too yeah he's even got an african in the background if you guys are watching on youtube right now on linkedin um, Adrian has worked. So who is Adrian? Not me, but Adrian Benjamin, Adrian B. Adrian has worked for UBS Investment Bank since since the age of 22. Uh, in, in New York, actually it's 22 that you went to do the um, the internship, wasn't it? Yeah, 20, 21, I was working in Worcester on placement. Okay. And then when I graduated, I got the internship with Mount Batten to do investment Perfect. banking in New York. Yeah. Perfect. So we're going to talk about that. So then you graduated from Birmingham City University. Um, I checked out the podcast you did with the um w- 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 with the other guy. He was pretty good. That was a that was a really insightful um podcast. I learned a lot from that. Um, definitely, cool. definitely learned from the journey that definitely learned about the journey that you took. Um, yeah. I have to listen to the, the the property one, but I will listen to the um progressive one soon. Um, but yeah, guys, Adrian's a, you know, he's, he's been in the game for a while when it comes to finance and banking, you know, he's been a financial consultant. He's worked at Visa, you know, you know, HSBC, right? Is it HSBC? Do you work? HSBC, yeah. yeah. RBS, Bloomberg, you know, Deloitte, you know, top, you know, yeah. auditing firm, I believe. So yeah, Adrian's you missed, done it you all. Missed that, you missed that couple. <laughs> I'm joking. Who've I, who've I missed I'm joking. That? I'm joking. It's a long list. Some wealth management, wealth management companies. So I mean, no, you've worked I on a long list of companies, I think right? It was Bloomberg and Deloitte. Bloomberg and Deloitte. I just, Deloitte, I just mentioned yeah. Bloomberg and Deloitte. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I've pretty much worked for everyone, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> everyone. That's Everyone's okay. had me. 
That's okay, yeah. So yeah, Adrian was part of, I mean, aside from being a financial consultant in his uh, recent past, previous roles have also included, you know, implementation, relationship management, and sales, which is what I love, which is what I've been in in the past. Banking, consulting, fintech, you name it, all agents done it in <laughs> banking and finance world. So in this, in, in today's episode, we're going to talk about, you know, his, his transition into getting into insurance, um, you know, other finance products out there, property, we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about his journey, you know, moving from Manchester to London, you know, his uh, his uh, crazy creative ways of creating his own, getting out of his own way and getting a job when the employer just won't hire you. So Adrian, welcome to the Sound of a Crowd podcast. Um, I think you're the first... I think you're the first guest I have who's not necessarily Ghanaian, doesn't necessarily have an interest in Ghana, but you still uh, qualify for the show. Not, that's, that's technically not true, but that's not, we'll get to that yeah, later. Okay, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that towards the end. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, you've you've, um, you know, you've proved me wrong, and I'm sure you're going to prove me wrong later on. But yeah, Adrian, I'm Benjamin. Look, that's an impressive resume. You know, those top companies working a whole bunch of roles. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling, man? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, let's just kick this show off. Um, apart from you know your career, tell us a fact about yourself that we don't know, and tell us a hobby. Oh, okay, hobby easy. I'm a big basketball fan. So used mm. to play a lot, in, a lot in Manchester, for Manchester Magic. Um, so I Manchester the Magic is that yeah. basketball team? No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Wow. Didn't we had, um, Jonah Meachie was one of the first British-born. NBA players. Wow. Yeah, I think that's like Stop 90, it. late 90s. Yeah. And then he set up his own academy in Wally Range in Manchester. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. You just learn yeah. something every day. So we have three full size <laughs> we have three full size courts um at Wally Range High School. Um I think we've got another one yeah. as well for the like England Academy as well. Ah. Yeah. Wow. That's, so that's two birds, that's two birds, one stones, right? That's the hobby and <laughs> I'll be in a fact. Yeah. <laughs> but is that a fact about that's a general fact? Is that a fact about mm-hmm. you? I'm trying to think. Interest. I can't think off the top of my head. Okay, um, that's fine. You, I mean, you can we'll, bring we'll it up during the show. Back, we'll come back to we, that. we can come back to that. There's no kind of yeah. structure here. We we just go with the flow here at the sound of a cross. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I mean, that's quite interesting. I mean, I know you're a Man United fan. I know you're into your football. Um, and I, I do remember you do you are into basketball, but I just didn't know about all of that. Like Manchester had their own team and everything, and impressive, pretty impressive. Okay, all right, so let's let's go straight into it, Adrian. Right, so um, let's talk about this um this um prestigious Mountbatten uh internship scheme. Um, could you break it down for the audience? Yeah, so I think there's a grad fair in Birmingham, the NEC, as grad fairs across the whole UK. And mm-hmm. I just finished my placement year working for Bosch in Worcester um, yeah. in the HR department. So I'm walking around the grad fair, like there's like 20,000 grads um, and every store kind of looks the same. And then um, some lady says to me, as I walk past, I was like, oh, do you want to work in New York? And I turn around, I'm like, uh-huh. well, who wouldn't? That's a stupid question. And I was actually, <laughs> it's actually Joe Harvey. I was like, what have I got to do to do this? And she's like, you've yeah. got to have a year in industry. I was like, I've already done that. You've got to graduate mm-hmm. and you've got to be a really top performer and you've got to go mm-hmm. through all the application stages, kind of like a mini apprentice kind of thing. I'm like, <laughs> cool. I was like, cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Did we think about it? Applied, emailed. 
Um, I think you've got yeah. to do a long cover letter. You've got to come to London to the interview face to face. So now I had to stay with my aunt in Watford like the day before that um, prep. Mm. And then there's a very long waiting process. Now there's two intakes, normally one in September and one in March. Yeah. And okay. the, what makes Mount Batten so unique is I think every year there's about 200 interns. I did it in 2009, so it's quite a while wow. ago. Mm-hmm. They yeah. get graduates from all over the world. So we'll have um, interns from Germany, Nigeria, India, China, all over. So mm. think about The Apprentice, but on a bigger, madder scale. Right? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And then you get wow. there and you have to share a room yeah. with someone that you don't know as well. Because it's insane. American style. So I my so bet it's here. For. Is it no, like a scholarship? I think they do do scholarships, but you have to pay for okay. it. So like so your you, so, accommodation. Okay, so w- wait a minute. So what do you have to pay for in regards to the Mountbatten program? Is it is it the accommodation or is it the, the education, the, the the job? What do you actually good, have to pay for? Good question. So we actually get a tier one visa. So that means you're allowed to stay mm-hmm. in the States for a year. And you also okay. study towards your master's. So okay. while you're over there working full time, probably eight till six, eight till seven, you still have to study, go to class once a week. Um, so I've got a third of a master's, um, which I could finish if I want to. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously you, you live in the States as well. So there's a lot of things to juggle and it's quite a lot. Um, so like mm-hmm. I said, I was one of the younger ones because I'd already had a year experience, but some people yeah. that are 26, 27, 28, or their accountants, they've, got, they've been working for a wow. while. It's not necessarily that intake. Um, I think I was one of the maybe seven or eighth youngest on the whole thing. Okay. So is, is that, there's not necessarily an age limit, is there? I wouldn't say per se. No, I think we have people in their 30s when we when I was doing it. Okay. But obviously, maturity-wise, 22 and 30 is a big difference. Um, so they didn't really hang around with us, the 23 and 20, <laughs> 22 and 23-year-olds. Um, but it's, it might have changed. Now, the beauty of that is the last financial yeah. crisis was 2008. So when I was about to graduate, I spoke to my director and I said, I'm not really sure what I should do. I was like, I really want to go into mm-hmm. Mount Batten scheme. And she was like, mm-hmm. it's a recession. Don't go, don't do it. I'm like, you know mm-hmm. me, a little bit because we spoke before. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. So I'm going to yeah, do it anyway. So, so getting, it, yeah. getting that job in the 2009, September 2009, um, when the recession was bad, and like, you know, they're laying people off left, right, and center. Like right? you go in and there'll be whole areas just wiped out and every other day people um, are getting made redundant. So it's a weird experience because that's kind of like my second year in, in major work, but that's just something that is now commonplace now. Um, and the fact that they have so much faith in Mountbatten and Mountbatten obviously recruit very well that even though all this mm-hmm. stuff is going on, they know they've got good quality people to do the job. Okay. And obviously, you've got to learn a completely different culture. Um, America on holiday and living there are two completely different things. Um, like any Ameri- other country. Yeah, America, every single word is it's like a completely different language. Um, you could <laughs> say one thing in England and it means a completely different, Good, different um, thing. Yeah, so, ex- example, I'm um, making notes in my book and I have a pencil. So I just go, hey, Will, can I borrow your rubber? Like, let me. And he's like, oh my God. I was like, talking, I was like, you can't, you can't ask another man for that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, brother. It's like, no, we don't, we don't call that over here. It's like, what do you call it? A razor. Oh, a razor. I was like, oh, yeah. right. Little, little things like that get you. Get they're, you know, they're thinking it's something else, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's completely like they, different. Yeah. 
like they call yeah. pants trousers like to us like i know oh. it's so annoying like they're just completely different it's it's so annoying like yeah you know, but i, I think it's it it's such a great experience i'm a massive fan of mountbatten i felt it really helped me in my career just from a confidence standpoint and, and standing mm. out so we'll probably get to stuff later about networking is so important just me i'm um, speaking to joe randomly having a mini conversation mm. going for it um because it is very very competitive not just with regards to um like paying for it but just that experience is is gonna top yeah. anything you can get in the uk because the brand new environment you don't know anyone and new york is a hard city it's a very yeah, fast-paced tough city man they yeah. will take they will say stuff to your face i think from British people's point of view, I think they say New Yorkers are rude. They're just very honest until the point. And I like from that. London. Yeah, I like that. It's, <laughs> there's no time to wait that I've got to make money. Yeah. They do not have yeah. time for that. You just sink or swim. So when True. I started working there, you have to pick it up. No one's going to baby you. So having oh that experience at 22, coming back to <laughs> the UK, it's like I have a whole different mindset completely. And I've, and I've kept that, I feel some of the traits from, from New York I still have that <laughs> you gotta love Americans very yeah. forward and I think um, we, I had a similar conversation with my last guest Michael Donko um, mm. one, one of my previous guests and we will talk about how um, reserved you know the British culture is compared mm. to other European cultures how they're more forward you know because mm. he obviously he took he took Tom out in Switzerland you know mm. doing um, financial advising or what have you and um, yeah, I mean, America is a, it's a crazy place. I mean, New York is more fast paced than London and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to kind of, um, you know, give them credit. They do, you know, they do, you know, do they, they, you know, they do exactly what, you know, you see in the movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the dangerous thing is where things can get violent. I think it's more dangerous in that sense, um, America, but New York, there's no place like it, man. Uh, I mean, it's it's depends, it, de- it depends where you are. I mean, we've, UBS, where I was working for, we've got offices in New Jersey, um, Connecticut, and different bits of yeah. New York. So it's different. And a lot of the time with work, studying, we're in Manhattan, which is very touristy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm seeing, I'm still hearing British, British accents every day. <laughs> they look at me yeah. like I'm crazy. And they're like, oh my God, you're British. I'm like, know, right? I'm, like, time. I'm like, so are you. Look, where's my passport? Oh my God, you live here. I'm like, yeah, I live here. This is my office. Oh my God. And they stare. I know, they go crazy. They go yeah, crazy you, for the bridge. You can there. always you can always spot a foreign person in New York because they walk really slow. That's how mm. you can tell. I don't need to say anything. That's interesting. British people love a map. They're always always doing that. <laughs> yeah. Are you definitely from here? Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. that was quite interesting. So you says there's more like a mini apprentice. Would you say it's a bit like, do you know the uh, the, the the British uh, the Duke of Edinburgh program? Do you think is that kind of got that kind of prestige to it? Yeah, because it's hard to get in, 100%. Mm. And it's mm. the alumni. It's alumni. So even me coming back, um, interviewing, UBS have been a part of Mountbatten for years. The companies might have changed now, but mm-hmm. it helps. The hiring manager, Omar Mountbatten's, they know what they're like. It's just a conveyor belt. So it's wow. like a graduate scheme of a graduate scheme because it's so few. <laughs> like, I'm the only... I'm used to, like, standing out anyway. So I'm the only... Nice. I'm one of two people from Manchester on the whole thing. And I'm from Sierra Leone, right? I know it's a guy named podcast, but it's still West Coast. All that stuff. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, Shout out to yeah, Sierra Leone. Yeah, so I'm the only one there. There might have been other Sierra Leone people there, but yeah, it takes before or after, but there's not a lot of us. 
Um, so you're right, it, 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 does, <laughs> it does add prestige. And then when hiring managers do hear about that, even though mm. it's over 10 years ago, it's still relevant mm. and it will always be relevant. And our topic about getting a job is you have to stand out and be different to everybody else. Yeah. Um, but Mount Batten doesn't happen in, um, because I went into NatWest because I knew I wanted to do banking. I knew I didn't want to do HR. So mm-hmm. I walked into NatWest branch, had my seat on, had my CV, um, asked for the hiring manager. I'm just saying I really want to get into banking. I've just finished my placement year at Bosch. I'll go back to uni in um, September. Is there any uh, issues that you have and any projects I can work on? And I'll work for free. So automatically, the managers thought, okay, this is good. He's come prepared. He's organized. He's as we're talking about. And he has experience. And he said he worked for free. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, fine. We've got this project that I don't know anything about. and I don't want to do it. And back then, it was called the deposit box. So this is yeah. what, 2008. So if you go into a retail branch. Did they call a project? Did they really call that a project? I mean, where you just put the envelopes through the... Um... The project was to find out how to utilize it. That's what the project okay. was for me, not the product. The product's fine. But okay. back then, asking people to put cash in an envelope and just put it down a hole, people are uncomfortable doing that. So he's saying yeah. every branch has to utilize it. He doesn't want to deal with it. He's got stuff to do. So like, Adrian, you just deal with it. So mm-hmm. what I do was I look at all the advertising, advertising and marketing that they had, change mm-hmm. that. Realized, did people understand what the product was? Yes, no. Do they want to use it? Yes, no. How old are they? What time is it? Things like that. And I went into all the other branches to see how they were using the same product. Mm. Now, at the time, HSBC had it, um, the same product, but in the ATM, which we have now, or cash machine, yeah. cash machine. See, yeah, I'm, I'm switching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nat, Nat West American. didn't have that at the, at the time. So what I figured out was from a month of, of asking the customers what they thought the product would they use it. The peak time to use the deposit box slip is the first of the month when people have majority of their bills to pay and credit cards to pay and the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So that means mm-hmm. the manager doesn't have to go to people every day, try and get customers to yeah. use it. Certain demographic of people from the evidence mm-hmm. that I did, older people are less likely to use it. Younger people in a rush, they don't really care as much. Male, feel like I really broke it down to him, did a PowerPoint presentation. He was like, wow, you got all this stuff. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so he liked that um, and it helped. And then after that, I got work experience at Barclays Corporate as well. So before okay. I went back to, so back to your point about me trying to be different and planning, before yeah. I go back to uni and turn 22, I've already got Bosch, NatWest and Barclays on my CV before I graduate. Before you... Before you graduate. graduate. So yeah. this was work experience. So when, when did this work experience take place? Was it in the summer? Was it off? Was it during during the holidays? So the placement was a whole year working full time. So okay. I did a, a four year degree because I didn't want to graduate and they say, well, we can't hire you, got an experience and vice versa. Yeah. So that's okay. why I planned. Oh, so, oh, so the placement year. So that was a whole year of different work experience. Yeah. Work in HR department. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so with the t- kind of title of the show of like trying to get a job and being different, even yeah. though I'm 18, I knew I wanted to do a four-year degree. I knew I wanted to do business because I was into actually geography and biology. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was thinking if I get out, like everything is, is business, doesn't matter what it is, NHS, football, everything is a business. So I might as well do business studies, um, even though I wasn't studying at A-level. And having the year in industry, that whole placement year, that helps as well. 
because employees want to have someone who has everything they're looking for and they don't really have to train as much. Or if they want to train you that you're open-minded and you think outside the box. But I wanted to have every single box ticked. So that's yeah, why. So that you can it's, maximize it's, it's the chance to gain. Yeah. yeah, and, and it yeah. gets to the point when you have more experience and you go for interviews and like, get me, don't get me wrong, I've had interviews, I haven't got them or whatever, contracting is up and it's down. But if they look through the list, I'm like, okay, so and so hired you, so like, why shouldn't we? Right. Mm. So my mm. attitude is once you get the biggest one, everything else is easy. Okay. So flipping the script. So, you know, when, when employers, um, when, when employees aren't hiring you or when they're not taking you on, you know, okay, you know what? I'm going to go and do free, do, do unpaid work to prove that I am valuable to you and then come back and apply for your role. And then um, the other thing that you were just saying is, um, you know, rather than them f- thinking that they're after a certain kind of person, you're flipping the script and be like, okay, cool. You know what? I'm going to be all of these things that they want to, that they're looking for and even more so that they, they can't say no to me. They have to take me on. So is that kind of your, your, your thought process, like psychologically, yeah. like, and, yeah. and, and research, I, I, I feel not that many people do it. Um, and the level of detail that I go into. So again, the NatWest example, that wasn't a job interview. That was just me walking off the street because I knew I wanted to get into banking. And then it's like, well, might as well yeah. ask the manager where you want to work. At the time, NatWest yeah. was the biggest retail bank in the UK. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Barclays the best commercial bank, corporate bank, cool, done that. And then from doing retail bank, I was like, well, all the money is an investment bank and be a trader. I'm like, okay, cool, fine. I'll apply for that. Like, that's, <laughs> that's my thought process. So you're just, so you're just ticking off. So basically, when you, obviously, when we introduced you onto the show, I mentioned all these different kind of, in, you know, financial banking institutions. So essentially, your journey has been going from retail banking to corporate banking and then to wealth management, mm-hmm. investment banking, yeah? Yeah, and all three. Was that the plan? Was that the plan to, to get to that get to that stage, or did you naturally just gravitate towards investment banking? Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed my time at Barclays uh, Corporate in Manchester um, mm-hmm. before I went back to uni, and I like mm-hmm. that culture. So the plan was to be a relationship director, whereby you have a portfolio of clients that you look after, and I wanted to always mm-hmm. get, I always wanted to get to property, didn't know how. So the plan was. <laughs> Be a relationship director at Barclays, be a manager of real estate. So mm-hmm. I'll understand how real estate works, property works, and I understand how banking finance works. And it's a pretty decent salary, and I should be there for a while. Do that yeah. for 10 years and then leave and get into property. Now, yeah. that didn't happen step yeah. by step, but I still Life. did the 10 years. <laughs> but uh-huh. I feel happy of my journey because I've been in so many different organizations and countries and stuff doing it then mm. staying there doing one job for 10 years and, and that's it so I'm actually yeah. happier the way that has actually turned out and I'm actually doing what I want I'm in property at the same time perfect and we'll yeah. get to property you know shortly one thing I wanted to ask you Adrian is <laughs> it's weird to say my own name uh, one thing I wanted to ask you Adrian is that um I noticed in your kind of uh CV obviously I saw your LinkedIn um, probably earlier, earlier on this week. And I noticed that you're on average, you are at a job for one and a half years. So mm-hmm. was it, was it a plan for you to move horizontally rather than just to stay at one company and then to move up vertically up the ladder 
and then leave and then get into the next stage of what you wanted to do career-wise or business-wise? Uh, good question. That was not the plan. Contracting <laughs> uh, <laughs> and being self-employed is very volatile. So you can so is that what you're doing the whole way through? The whole, way, the whole through, way through. You the, last, the last four is, is contracting. The last four Other, contracting. Okay, so going backwards, um, some of the jobs were perm. I've, I've been made redundant, right? So generally okay. you think redundancy is older people and they've been there for a while and now it doesn't matter anyone, any age, especially if anyone can get it. Anyone so can get it. Again, my thinking was, okay, I've been made redundant, which isn't great. I would rather have a little bit more control so I want to get self-employed. So keeping in theme with the whole podcast of how to get a job and be different. When mm -hmm. I was working at RBS in Reading, I wanted to move to yeah. London. Mm -hmm. um, I chose RBS in Reading first because I thought London was too expensive. Like, let me get some experience and money and then move. That was strategic. And then I was mm -hmm. applying for jobs and, you know, it's difficult. It's end of the year, November, December, things are closed, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I'm sick of this chasing recruitment consultants <laughs> and doing, doing um, CVs and cover letters. I'm tired of that. So yeah. I went on LinkedIn. I was really interested in fintech at the time. Um, and the big major yeah. players were Funding Circle, Zopa, I think Ratesetter. They were the big ones. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I wanted to get into one of those. Again, yeah. long, long process. And then I just emailed someone. Sorry, I matched someone on LinkedIn who used to work at RBS like me. He said he's in a fintech company and it's good they just started yeah. up there's literally four of them so they're more so peer-to-peer peer lending though they're correct. more peer-to-peer peer lending, lending aren't they? yeah correct yeah. that's that's what it was but this was corporate okay. peer -peer. and he said well mm. we don't have any jobs i can't do anything but you seem really keen and you seem like a good guy he speaks my boss and i'll set something up like final speed time came down <laughs> it's basically me talking about research of how the industry is going to go and all the other stuff i'm really passionate and mm. my boss is like you know more about this industry than i do and you're really passionate <laughs> And I've come to him with something. So this is the theme of the podcast. Like you have to go bringing something. You don't just, I haven't just gone, give me a job because I need one. It's mm -hmm. different. It's like, I'm of value and this is why I'm good. And then I go to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So after speaking to my boss, he's like, we don't have a job, but because you're so passionate, why we will just create one for you. Look at that. Look at that. So, huh? so that's how I got to London. When that one just yeah. speaks to people. If you're good, you're passionate, you can get it. Um, and then I got made redundant in that role, which is fine. And then yeah. I fell, and then yeah. I fell into contracting. It wasn't a plan; I just fell into it. Fell into um, it. I, I got the job with Essentia Consulting. Um, they're working on an HSBC project. So the mm -hmm. beauty of that is I got one of the biggest consulting firms in the world and one of the biggest banks in the world at the same time. Nice. On the CV. Nice. Um, and the irony is the financial crash of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, which was because of um, mortgage brokers and banks in America giving loan to people who weren't credit worthy. That's why it will collapse. My project- Really? Is that, with, is that how it kind of affects, is this how it affected the whole world or? Yeah, so what happened with securitization is where you have bad debt, i.e. people that can't pay, and they put those loans with, with good debt. And it got muddled so much people couldn't see and they were buying it and it was it was a stack of cards. I think yeah, there's a film America. called The Big the Big Short, I think, which is quite good and that, that details it. So the project with HSBC was, the UK and the FCA, Financial Control Authority, said we can't have this happening ever again where we have normal people's money mixed with investment banking, which is gambling. So they mm -hmm. separate it. So what they had to do was all the investment banks in the UK that I think hold over 25 billion in deposits 
had to separate the retail, so me and you, and small mm-hmm. businesses' money from the investment bank. So they separated it, um, which is difficult wow. because as HSBC, yeah. you've got hundreds of thousands of customers around the world, and now you have to split them into two different banks. Mm. So that was the project that I worked on, ringing CEOs, FDs, and saying, you know, we're having this restructure in the bank, and your sort code account number is going to change, and all your products going to change. So we had a massive deadline to get everyone migrated either to the Ring okay. Bank, which is in okay. Birmingham. So most people probably wouldn't even realize that. If you go to HSBC Retail Bank now, we'll say HSBC UK. So that's the retail really? commercial. Yeah. Okay. Bank. So if it doesn't say HSBC UK, then it's not it's not retail. No, it'd probably be the investment bank. Um, and then all the other major banks did it as well. So I think uh, Barclays, Santander, and Lloyds, they all went through the same process. And wow. the reason why that there was so much pressure on that project was if it had failed, IT didn't work, the whole world would have known about it. So there was more wow. pressure on IT because we had to press a button and switch everything over, right, wow. on the fly because people can't stop working or can't stop banking. So you've got yeah, to say to clients, um, yeah, you've got payroll, next week but we're going to migrate all your accounts and stuff like that and you got to tell everyone that you sort of an account number changing so it's stressful it's difficult so my portfolio had clients in china um poland america russia everywhere split everywhere Mm. so different time zones everything and then you know you got to persuade someone who's never heard of you before to do what you say especially with regards to their money so that's that's (laughs) good experience in itself that's when yeah. your sales skills come in, which is yeah. what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Um, man. Um, so all of this happened on the back of the, um, the, the the financial crash and the financial turmoil that was taking place in 2008, 2009? Yeah, and then obviously the bank and the FCA said, okay, what measures can we put in place so that doesn't happen? So now happen. if investment banks do something crazy, normal people's money, resale clients, is money protected separate mm. okay okay that's that's quite interesting it's quite interesting you raise up normal people's money and then investors money um what's your actually i'm, I'm gonna take it a slightly different conversation um what's your thoughts on the um the, the, the gamestop stuff that happened in america i'm sure you're aware of it i'm aware of it but i at this moment in time i'm not investing um because i don't yeah. feel i know enough about it same thing with Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, I've got Bitcoin. stuff, but I would only do something I fully understand. And because yeah. I'm focusing all my time now on life insurance and property, once mm. I have a little bit of time, then yeah, I will look at it. But I feel with investing, you have to know, be on the board of it. You've got to look at it and watch it. And two investment to me is you can gain more than what you've put in, where there's a risk you can lose all of it. Are you True. comfortable with that? Are you responsible with it? So True. I see people online all the time and saying Bitcoin and things like that is at X my thousand. But I mean, how much have you put in? You don't need to buy the whole Bitcoin. And okay. two, it's gonna it's gonna go down at some point. Do you know when and where? There's all it's, it's a risk, which is fine. Property is a is a risk and a gamble. Everything's a risk and a gamble. But mm-hmm. I'd rather um, know more about it before I do that. So I don't do any of that stuff. But at the minute. And at some point I will, but right now I'm not. Mm-hmm. Perfect. 
Yeah, I mean, it is volatile and um, they're all assets at the end of the day where mm-hmm. wealth can be created. So um, mm-hmm. more power to you. You know, wanted to know about it properly before you go into it. And I think it's only fair that you focus on one or two things before moving on to, mm-hmm. you know, a shiny site, a shiny object, you know, Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you know, can be seen mm-hmm. in that sense. Okay. And uh, what's what would you um, explain to the audience that a, a ring fence is it a ring fence bank? Ring fence bank, yeah. Ring fence bank, yeah. What's that term? Explain, explain that term to us. So ring fence means it's completely separate from the investment bank. So they ring fence okay. it. They've, safe, they've safeguarded it, right? They've safeguarded okay. it. Well, previously mm. everything was okay. just the same. So you're using deposits <laughs> and doing all this mad stuff. Okay. So again, I I think the film is called The Big Short. The big show. That was really okay. interesting. And then understanding what they were doing and how they were allowed to do it. Even in the UK, you could um, self-certify a mortgage. So what that means is I can go to the bank and say, I earn a million pounds a year. The bank would be like, okay, fine. And I'll give you money for, for that. So even in the UK, it was madness. So now when you get a property, you have all these questions about how much you earn, proof of earnings, proof of address. It's a lot more stringent now yeah. than it was before. Because before there were people that, that did that and didn't have the money, you know, for example, mm-hmm. if you said you had a million pound, no one, you self-certify, it's fine. 20, 30 years ago in London, you're laughing now, right? Because of capital appreciation. True. You can't True. do that. You can't, you, can't, you can't self-certify a mortgage anymore, and rightfully so. Okay. Self-certification of a mortgage. Explain mm-hmm. that. So that just means there's a form, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a form you fill in. You'll okay. say, you know what, I earn half a million pounds. And the bank, okay, like, okay fine. and they'll give All you the right. money. Yeah, yeah, because it was a lot easier to get mortgages back in the day, isn't it? Yeah, but now, so now it's, 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 it's more difficult, especially if you're self-employed yes. as well. Yeah, like they want to see like monthly income, like predictable income coming in every. Yeah. <sighs> maybe that's when buying property from a from a company could come in, maybe or still. It can, but again, you have to know what you're doing. You've got to have a good yeah. accountant. So I'm actually, I should be doing a podcast uh, next month with my mm. property accountancy firm. So they deal wow. with that where they help investors put their property in either SPVs, special purpose vehicles, limit companies, um, yeah. because it's more tax efficient. So again, I'll do a podcast on that because again, okay. there's changes. And the thing with, with anything, things always change. So mm. property changes, you know, there's now double stamp duty if you want to buy a second property there's all these other things and you have to constantly be learning about it mm-hmm. so i think some people think oh it's fine i'm okay or this or that or my mortgage is this but you always need to look at stuff and analyze it even if you analyze it we have a call with my job with, with life insurance and everything's fine cool at least you know you're, you're good but things could change <laughs> you, might a, you might have a pay rise you might have got marriage you might have a kid so things change and the, the figures change um mm. But it's just getting people to realize to realize that it's, it's a little bit difficult. <laughs> that's again sells it's, it sells then, isn't it? That's that's when that comes into play. Okay, um, you know, so don't worry, guys. Um, all of the the references, the links we mentioned, it will be in the soundofacard.com in the show notes. So. Um, all of these key points and, and links we mentioned, we'll have it all linked in the show notes for you. Okay, Adrian. So let's let's keep this moving. This is a this is a pretty good conversation we're having. Um, so great. So obviously, um, you, you you've done the program, the Mountbatten program. You, you know, you've 
you've gone through all of these banks, you know, you, you know, you've even created your own job. Um, you've done free work, you've done everything, you've done contracting, <laughs> all of that. And then you got yeah. to the end of the roads of your banking yeah. career, banking finance yeah. career. What was the what was the last what was the last role again? And then tell yeah, us about good, what happened after that, and then the transition to insurance. Yeah, good question. So I was working for a smaller um, consultancy firm in the city called Tory Global. Um, so they're not the size of mm-hmm. the lawyer essential. And I've been doing the contracting job for about four years. And again, it's great to have all that experience and be in all these different environments because they're all, they're all different. Mm. But I was like, you yeah. know, I really want to get into property. Like that was the plan <laughs> all along, right? And even even with my own place that I bought in my 20s, fully understanding it. And some see I've done property training. I was like, okay, I want to be involved in property. This is the end goal anyway, right? So mm-hmm. I've done my 10 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And again, um, so beginning of 2020, I took time out. I was like, let me just chill out and then obviously COVID happened in, in March and that kind of put stuff on pause, which is fine. So I did more property things. I, I'd already set up my own property um, company the year before. So I spent more time mm-hmm. on that. And then I was thinking, okay, people aren't necessarily buying property at the moment due to COVID, which is fine. How can I get into property and what bit of it? So I think I was just thinking out loud. I'm thinking, okay, there's a lot of money in mortgages. And to get into property, you're utilizing mortgages. So, for example, if the property is £100,000, you might put £25,000 down and the bank will give you £75,000 as a line, as an example, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about leverage. So, I'm like, okay, this is a, a billion, trillion dollar industry. How can I speak to property investors and learn about property, but not necessarily do it? And then I think I was researching and then life insurance came in to my head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, fine. Did a little bit more research, spoke to people that, that have been doing it. And then I was on LinkedIn. And then I reached out to Joel White, um, who's the MD of Ramsey and White Mortgage Brokers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Joel, um, this is my background, blah, blah, blah. I want to get to property. I don't want to be a mortgage broker, but I feel mm-hmm. there's a gap in the market if I just focus on life insurance. I was like, do you have any... In-mail? Just a LinkedIn in-mail or did you connect with him? Did you oh, sorry. No, no, I, sorry. I rang it. I rang you it. rang him. So, so you yeah. just found that you found this in the mobile number like that? Like, you just yeah, rang him up? On LinkedIn, sometimes I've got the mobile okay. number. Okay. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. True, yeah. true, true. Okay. So you've you've definitely been a salesperson in the past then. That oh, yeah. I've, I've missed that. I've done recruitment. I've missed that. Oh, you've done recruitment. Okay. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so, so many I've tricks. Done I've done everything. You've done everything. You've done yeah. it all. I love it. So okay. So you rang up the MD. That's a bold move. I love that. Uh, I don't think so because again, I've done recruitment. I work in HR. You're bypassing oh, true, all those true, people true, at the same time. You're yeah. bypassing all of them. Gatekeepers, gatekeepers. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to go through a gatekeeper when you rang me ringing up the MD, or was it mobile? You just got straight to his mobile. Nice. Mm. And the good thing is, he said they'd been thinking about it the year before, but they hadn't really done anything about it. I was like, okay. you know what? If I come in, all your clients that you've got at the moment and previously, I'll just speak to them about protecting the mortgage, right? And similar to you, where, you know, we'd go to property events and property training. The whole mm-hmm. premise behind property is to, to you know, have a legacy to, to pass on, right? True. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. You want to pass it to your kids, your grandkids, all that. So life insurance goes hand in hand with that. So you could have a multi-million pound property portfolio. And if, unfortunately, you were to pass away, like, that's going to, if you don't have a will, going to have to go through probate. It's very long and there's going to be inheritance tax. 
And yeah. again, a lot of people don't know that. So at the minute, if you have over £325,000 of, of assets, it gets taxed at 40%. Now, people might think 325000 is a lot, but property, and especially property in London, is going to go over that. So, you know, you're working so hard to get Easy. this money, you're doing all this property stuff. If you don't have life insurance in a will, a will also have to say who goes to. And secondly, put it in trust. So what a trust is, let's say you have life insurance of £100,000. If we put that into trust for you, you get to say who gets the money. It is 100% tax-free because it's held out of your estate. Mm. So you're not paying 40% inheritance tax if it's over that 325000 threshold, six fifty if you're a couple. Right? So if mm. someone passes away, sometimes people don't leave wills. It's a very long process to, to try and get the money to the rightful person. So, for example, you might have £20,000 worth of credit card debt. That 20000 credit card debt will get paid first before it goes to your estate. And then you've got the 40% inheritance tax. So it could be everything that you've worked for, yeah. it might not, someone might not get any, and it might be for the wrong person because you've not stated it. So, again, it's, it's sometimes maybe not a great topic, but you have to discuss it. And the younger that you do it, and as a family, the better. So even this call got pushed back. I was speaking to my uncle about it. Right? Mm. I'm that. And I spoke to you before, I'm redoing my life insurance, my critical illness as well, because it's important. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think it makes more sense because I was thinking at first, how does life insurance relate to property? But when you think about it, it's more of when you're passing over. If you if you own property and you want to pass it on to, you know, people in the family, how are you going to secure those assets the best possible way? And obviously life insurance is one is one efficient way, tax efficient or money saving efficient way of cost effective. I mean, so, so, it, right? again, again, people don't really think about it, which is fine. And they're busy and all this other stuff. But for like this, if not, Boris is going to get it. So nobody wants Boris actually, to get anything right now because they're in people, lockdown. Yeah, people's attitude change. And also with COVID, we're more... Um, we appreciate life a lot more, right? With everything mm. else going on this whole year. Mm. Um, but it's it's funny that, you know, I speak to clients and COVID and all this other stuff, they still... You've moved into life insurance a good time, you know. I, I've just... I've, I, it's, it's, it's called up with me. It's actually called up with me now why life insurance is, I think, is, is going to be great for you because obviously COVID, you know, people are passing. I mean, we, we, we could talk about if that insurance includes COVID, we could talk about mm-hmm. that because that could be interesting. And then also it can cover you with regards to property. That's very but interesting. Also, depending on your age, health, mm. um, and weight and height, it can be a lot cheaper than you think. <clears throat> and insurance, the way it works is the cheaper you take it out, the better it is. So if you take life insurance out at 18, 20, it's going to be cheap. So I think I just ran a quote the other day for someone, you know, 150,000 is five pounds a month. Mm. Right, you have you have insurance for your phone, you have it for your car because the legal requirement, but you don't have it on yourself. And yeah. it was the biggest asset because if you don't work or you're sick or you die, none of those other things happen. And it's True. it's weird that you know I'm having Zoom calls because I can't meet clients face to face due to COVID. The kids are in the call, which is fine. So I see all the kids, <laughs> kids that are one, two, they're in the call. It's all fine, it's all open. Yeah. And the parents yeah. say, Yeah, 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 it's really important. But then 
you know, they don't get back to it, they don't fill in the form. I'm like, you've been on the phone for four hours about your kids. Yeah. You understand it, but you're not signed the form. If anything happens, yeah. you know I mean, everything happens to you. And also if you have pre-existing medical conditions as well, like the older you are, the more mm. likely you are to get it. So the point is, the younger you are, get it. I got life insurance because my mom and dad kept on banging on about it. And I didn't really fully understand it. Again, when, you, when you're in your 20s and you buy, it's so expensive. You have so many bills, you don't want to have another one. But no yeah. one explains it. They're like, get life insurance, you got to get it. And I'm like, didn't. Yeah. They don't explain. Sometimes African parents do not explain so very well. They just tell you to yeah. do it and explain you to do it. They just tell you to do something, uh, yeah. And I was like, you know what, fine, do it. I'm not married, I don't have kids. <laughs> I don't have married, I'm, I'm not married at the minute, I don't have kids. But, you know, the whole property is multi-generational, right? So yeah. if anything happens, my sibling has it. True. Right. And it's going to be once, you know, I'm going to put it in a trust so it's tax efficient. And we have the conversation. Yeah. We've had the conversations. Like, if anything happens to me, and they'll start crying, and I'm like, don't get sad. Like, it's it's going to happen. It's not great, but have it now. And this is the yeah. world. This is where it is. This is is who is on it, and this is okay. what's going to happen. There's clear instructions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because there's so many situations, especially in our community, where there's death. There's a GoFundMe, there's a this, there's a, there's a that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this can't keep happening. And we can't yeah. have the next generation being more disadvantaged because of the decisions that the generation before made. It's okay. a really straightforward process. It takes two seconds. And you need to have the conversation with everyone. Like, it's not just your immediate ones, like your cousins, your first cousins, your little ones. And again, there's a misconception that you have to be married, have kids, have a property, have life insurance. That's not true. If you're in the case mm. where you might have a niece or nephew who's small and you're like, you know, if anything happens to me, I want my niece or nephew to have it. That's the biggest gift you can do. The mad thing with, with life insurance, you can make a six-figure, seven-figure amount and not earn it. Does that make mm. sense? So, what you know, I was uh, the first call we had before I was saying opposite is opposite. Obviously, I've not really mentioned how to turn it down. But <laughs> the, when you talk about crypto, it's so volatile. And you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. It could be zero or whatever. There could be a new cryptocurrency. Life insurance is that. It's been here for loads of years. It's not going anywhere. They say it's recession-proof because the only certainty in life is unfortunately people have to pass away. Hmm. So that's guaranteed. But you doing the stock yeah. market, probably all these other things, that's not guaranteed. So that's why another reason I'm into it. Because, hmm. again, my attitude at 18 is banking is forever. I'm going to probably do mortgages Wait for that West RBS, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And being mm-hmm. in there, retail banking is now completely changed. Everything mm-hmm. is online. You know, kids mm-hmm. these days are, sort of, oh, are going to have a bank account and never go into physical branch. They just do it on the phone. That's it. Okay. That okay. industry has changed. So, with your point before about why I've changed to this, this is different. I'm, I'm with you. So, let's just uh, add some bit of uh, context here, guys. So, obviously, uh, Adrian has a property uh, business called Benjamin and Cole. What's Benjamin and Cole? That's correct. Yeah. Benjamin and Cole. Okay, cool. I'm, I, I don't know where the Cole comes from. I don't know if he's related to Andy Cole. I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Shout out to Andy Cole. I met him once in Manchester, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, he sounds like being called that growing up in Manchester. Any black With Andy Cole. Like, oh, you might have time to say, yeah. <laughs> I see a little bit of resemblance, but not much. A little bit of resemblance. 
<laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, guys, back to what I was saying before. So Adrian has a company called Benjamin and Cole Property Business, and um, he obviously he currently works with you know a uh, he's, he's currently doing life insurance at another company, Ramsey and White. Um, but what we're saying here is that um, life insurance can be a cost-effective way of protecting your assets, especially when it comes to property. So, and he's passionate about property, so. Um, he's managed to make both of these industries work together for him. And it's just a great way for him to kind of be in both worlds, which is, I think that's that's just pretty amazing, man. Yeah, and like you said before, it's just me having time out thinking and stuff kind of hitting at the right time. Because similar to you, when I was working in the city, I'd finish work eight, nine o'clock, go to a property mm. network and then get home 12, one, wake up five, six. It's tiring. Yeah. And... It Anytime you have any business, your first major concern is, who are my customers? How am I going to get to them? Mm. What product? What, not even the product or the pricing, right? That's the most difficult bit. So with this, I'm majority speaking to property investors anyway, because it's a mortgage firm. Yeah. And so I'm learning about property, where they've invested, why they've done it, the price of it, all these different strategies anyway. But yeah. I'm doing something completely different. So for me, again, with the point before about adding value and being different, I now have all these property people coming to me mm-hmm. because it's a free it's a free consultation call. Again, I'm not nice. charging you. They just want to learn. They want to learn. Fine. So I'm learning about property and I don't have to necessarily go to all the network events, do all these other things. And similar to you, Adrian, when you go to networking events, you're trying to speak to so many different people. You can tell when people don't want to speak to you and they're looking to someone else. <laughs> it's just, it's long. Yeah, it's long. Zoom is 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 annoying now because there's cats and kids in the background and whatever internet cuts out is long. (laughs) But this is like cool because now I'm learning about property and I'm adding value and it's a different product. Right, so it's a whole killing finding it once. Killing two birds with stone, indeed. It is. um, Are you finding it harder to um, consult and to close? people on on online rather than being face-to-face in person we are in a covid world at the moment no good question i actually prefer face-to-face because again um traditionally with life insurance there's a lot of face-to-face meetings and multiple mm. i've come in not doing any of that mm. right if i've got a client in i don't know bristol or whatever drive all the way back and it's it's you can lose a lot of time it's even any sales role that was field-based Right? There's a lot of being stuck in traffic, all this other stuff, service stations, sandwiches. I'm more efficient. Right, <laughs> I'll get up at six, work out, study for two hours and, and start at nine. And I might finish at eight. So I actually prefer, prefer it this way. I get the calls in. I can see the, the customer face-to-face if they've got any issues. I can share my screen. If I yeah. take notes, you know, I've got doctor's handwriting. I can't read my own notes. It's not good. <laughs> you know, I see a client and I can't even read what I've put. So everything online is actually better for me. I think it's a lot quicker and efficient. Definitely. It saves you a lot of time, saves you a lot of energy, can save you money moving around. It's, you know, it's a triple threat and I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay. Um, So, so how long you've been there for, how long you've been there for now? um, Ramsey and White so far. Good question. About um, under two months. Okay. But so it's clean, I don't feel, it's you. yeah, but the transition isn't different. So again, investment banking, you've got front office, middle office, back office, um, corporate banking, you've got BDM, sales guys, RM managers, and then credit. 
If you yeah. play football, you've got a striker, midfield, defence. Same yeah. thing in business. You've got different things. So you've got those. This is all the same. You've got those three. So yeah. it wasn't a transition for me. So again, I might be client-facing. Um, there might be a case manager, which they call an insurance, someone that manages the clients. Okay. They might chase paperwork or make sure the clients are okay. And, and we have um, annual reviews. And then you've got compliance back office, which checked everything that we do. So why did I recommend this product? What's my reasoning behind it? Is it correct for the client? What is their budget? Okay. They check everything at the back. So um, consulting and bank has helped for this. Like it's not really been a, a big transition. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities to what you've been doing in banking and finance because all three of them, what all of these industries have in common is the, is the huge compliance and the huge, um, you know, factor of um, being careful in what you're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can, it can hit you back and hard, like with huge fines, huge penalties. If you're not complying, if you're, yeah. you know, breaking, you know, breaking all of these different things, you know, yeah, so we have a completely separate department that checks everything that we do. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, as as well as they're all lucrative businesses, you know, at the same time, not being compliant, breaking, you know, some of these regulations, going against some of the regulations that can hit you back hard. So that's, that's the downside to being in these industries. But, I mean, again, what I love is that the way you came into, um, you approached the Ramsey and White MD and you create, again, you, you did it before and you've done it again in a different way, yes. more in a modern day way. You, you disrupted an industry, you disrupted a company and you've created your own uh, job when the employee isn't hiring you, right? You actually approached the employer. You, you didn't just approach the employer, you approached the freaking MD and you got yourself a job by creating a job by actually approaching him with something that actually makes sense. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is as well, like if you start a new job or especially sales role, the hardest thing is getting clients. Where am I going to get them from? Again, True. you do network events, you do all this other stuff, but you know, I get Joel's clients. <laughs> That's it. Because yeah. it's a complete, it's a, it's, it's a different product. That is a whole yeah, new and- product to sell his existing clients to, right? Yeah. And, you know, Joel's busy. He's doing all these complicated mortgages and bridging. He doesn't have time to do life insurance. It's not efficient. Yeah. But because yeah. I explained it to him, he kind of, he knew it. And he was thinking about it. But with any mm-hmm. business, you're busy doing all those other things. And I came with mm-hmm. the proposition. He's like, that makes sense. So from okay. day one, I, I have clients to, I can speak to immediately. I don't have to go hunting for it. That will Smart. happen anyway. But yeah, exactly. You're going in and he said to me, you need to do, um, uh, there's a qualification called CMAP. Um, which we've got to mortgages. He said, yeah. come back once you've done the first bit. And I didn't speak okay. to him for about six weeks and then okay. screenshot it and then that was it. So again, from being, you know, different, disruptive, I don't have the whole one stage, second stage, third stage, fourth stage, email, it, like I cut all that out. Bypassed it all. It went have- straight to the source. And I think it's <laughs> this is something that has been, I'm um, sorry to interrupt you there, Adrian. I think this is, I just want to get this a point to the audience. So if you guys have been following this conversation, you've noticed that Adrian's been doing the same thing right from his early 20s. He's gone straight to the source, didn't apply for a job in that West, went straight to the manager. Hey, I'll work for free. Get me in. He did the same thing for other for another company, a comparable company that was. And then again, you've done though. this. I got a check for that one. <laughs> I got a check for that one though. You got to check for that one. <laughs> that was a real joke. Did you? That was just, that was just work you? experience. 
I've done that. Those work experience. I wanted to do something before I went back to uni because I was bored. Yeah. Right? And I was like, well, this is what I want to do. Do it now. So the point of the conversation is the things I did at 21 have helped mm-hmm. me now in my early 30s. It's the same thing. And the beauty with how the world is going on social media, media is everyone likes everyone comments. Everyone does that. That's it. I'm doing an old school thing of talking to people on the phone. <laughs> Being different. Right? Yeah. Because if yeah. you're applying for a job, you've got to go through the whole process. Yeah. And there's a lot of people doing that. So get out from the noise, guys. Make sure you cut get the, away from the, the noise. It's like going to the club. Cut the queue, man. Cut the queue, man. Hello, <laughs> Mr. Bouncer. <laughs> hello mr bouncer uh, here's some banana cake <laughs> i know that's one of your things that's one of your things that that's one of your things that um we had a conversation about that adrian uh likes um yeah but that's 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 another story as you mentioned but but yeah um fantastic um i really like the way i really like your um approach and your philosophy and the way you go about doing business and the way you go about doing work i think is is a very disruptive way is a very disruptive mindset that we need to have in a day and age where there's a lot of uncertainty and yet this and yet even when there are loads of jobs people still aren't hiring you know and they're still doing this first stage second stage third stage interview um stuff but again then again this is the sound of crowd podcast. You know, we focus on entrepreneurs and creatives and obviously agent is an entrepreneur as well as a professional, you know, who works and obviously he's got a property business. Do you want to tell us a bit more about Benjamin Cole and what you do in the property side of things outside of the life insurance stuff? Yeah. So I formed the company, I think um, a year ago and what the property, mm-hmm. what the company does is we help investors find property. So this actually happened organically and by accident mm-hmm. so i had a friend who was looking to buy in london but as you both mm-hmm. know london's very very expensive so mm-hmm. i just said as a joke yo manchester's cheaper you can probably buy something half the price as a joke right yeah so she goes back to her parents like oh that's a good idea because the whole <laughs> point it was the whole point was going to be a buy to let anyway she wasn't going to live in the property it was just yeah. to be on the property ladder and get income coming in right if anything happened to the parents they were scared if they passed away she'd be stuck so that's how it happened yeah so I said, okay, cool. I'm from Manchester. Let's go back home. Uh, <laughs> did about 12, 10 viewings one day, tiring, but we went through the whole area, put an offer in. So not only did I help them get a property that they didn't know about, an area they had no knowledge of, managed to get a massive discount. So their budget wow. was 250 You could still get something in London for 250 It might not be everyone's dream place, but you could still get something. They got it for one. They got it for 120 Damn. How right, do you, so do you say, remember how that happened? Yeah, I was there in it. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, oh, so you, did you negotiate down? Did you negotiate? Yeah, because if it was high, you've got to pay stamp duty, and there was no stamp duty. You know? So okay. my point is, I've gone to you know family and friend, and they've they've saved one thirty in cash. Hmm. Hundred thirty thousand. Okay. I've saved them already. Oh right. Okay. So this is all yeah, cash. They, the, the, was, the budget was two fifty. Right. Okay. And mm-hmm. they weren't spending fifty thousand, which is fine. Yeah, and, you know, saves money, but they got it for one twenty. Okay, cat. So they pay cash. Yeah, they don't want to have a mortgage. Okay, cool. Obviously, look, look looking back, you're thinking, hmm. <laughs> no, I said, I said, but but, but, but they didn't want a mortgage, so fair enough. Yeah, the girl didn't want to, yeah. which is fine. They're the, which is fair. not the client, not the client, because this is before I even set my company. Yeah, this is before. Yeah, this is before. Yeah, the thing was yeah. the 
the way her mother was crying, like, oh my God, but you've saved us so much money. We were scared. And we don't care. Then she was, oh, you should do this as a full-time job. I was like, I was just like, not a big deal. I didn't think about mm. it. I yeah, advised more money being in property. And the irony is I'm doing life insurance. However, it's still linked to property from <laughs> so that real life, mm. real life experience. And then mm-hmm. only now we find out that you can charge people for all this stuff. <laughs> Before I was doing it for free, yeah. So yeah, and he buy a microphone and you know wants me to do it then for free. Um, but yeah. it wasn't that. It was just the fact that you know we've got a family that are happy that their daughter's got something that they thought they couldn't have, mm. and it was saved more than half their budget. Mm. Right. Very, very- That's the beauty of it so that money is going to go from the parents obviously paid for it the daughter has it it's in her name and then her kids have it and then it goes on and on and on and on are you still in and touch now, with those people yeah i'm still in touch with them um so and then obviously just shut up now and <laughs> crazy yeah, equity now property now manchester's going through massive transformation like like all mm. major cities okay but it's cheaper up north because it's not been touched london yeah. everywhere you look is being gentrified so that's going to squeeze prices, but somewhere that's never been touched. And it's a house and it's got a big space that will continue to go up. But then also now having that experience of doing a real life property deal, even though I didn't even realize I was doing one, now that's going to be added to the life insurance experience that I do every day mm. and understanding what products is good and, and, and things like that. Yeah. So, so I see both yeah. of them going hand in hand. Because there's no point, like I said, there's no point having properties if you're going to pass and then no one in your family or, or friends or even a charity or whatever benefits. I mean, that's how I am. Mm. There's no point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, if you don't do it, if you don't do it, Boris is going to get it. So, you know, that doesn't motivate <laughs> people to do it. I don't know what, what. Yeah. Again, there's this, this, a lot of uh, reminiscent content to my conversation with Michael Donkel. Again, we talked about generational wealth. We talked about, you know, doing things effectively, you know, managing your money, you, you know, your assets effectively and things like that and investing effectively. So, I mean, it's quite interesting that we're having this similar conversation here. feels like I'm doing money mindset month, you know, continued, you know, but I mean, these are important, you know, discussions that we need to have, you know, especially the beginning of a new, of, of, of a year and getting towards the end of a financial year, you know, and, you know, and such a time of uncertainty, people are really now just holding on to their money and then they or they're now looking at ways to make more money or to invest or make their money you know work you know bring back even more money so i think these are important conversations that we need to have you know in this time and age Thank and you, I, th- I think with, with covid because people aren't busy out and about on holiday they now have time to actually think about stuff so again, is it sad that people are obviously passing away and being furloughed or laid off? It's terrible, but yeah. majority mm-hmm. of people aren't affected. Like they're saving money from travel and holiday and eating True. out all the time. So now they think, okay, True. I've got more money. What do I want to do? So, yeah. and especially with things like Clubhouse and things like that and social media, I think it is positive. And especially the younger generation as well of being more money conscious um, and thinking about it and not just leaving it. Um, and like True. you said, the, the younger you are to do anything, the better it is. Doesn't matter what it is, but if it, it comes mm. to property, once you've got it, you've got it. Right? As long <laughs> as you obviously make the payments, you're on top of it. You make the payments and stuff. But an insurance, the younger the younger you are, the, the the better it is. And also, the longer you leave it with regards to mortgages, it can be more expensive. So 
So for example, if you're like in your late fifties, it might be more difficult for you to get buy a property than if you were younger. So sometimes people think, oh, I'm young, I've got, I've got time. Like if you live in London, you don't have time, <laughs> right? It's, <laughs> it's expensive already. Yeah. So just get um, on there now while you can. Yeah, if you can, yeah. Yeah. Or look outside. <laughs> <laughs> look at <in> Manchester. <laughs> Get yourself a discount property. Yeah, it's cheaper. Outside London, properties are certainly cheaper. Okay. And so, yeah, guys. So, I mean, if you are looking for a property, I mean, Adrian, I do. you specialize in off-plan property? Or do you still take orders for... Um, do you still... Do, do you take orders for non-off-plan properties? Good sourcing? question. It was, it was predominantly off-plan. So with your point about just being different, you know, you, you do source and everyone's kind of doing the same thing. I was like, well, if I go straight to developer, I don't have to worry about finding stock. True. So again, so in, in April, when I had more time for my property company, I just ran Berkeley Homes up. Um, I think I checked yes, I think they're worth like 5.3 billion or something like that. But Crazy. when I'm on the phone to her, and, she, and I just said, you know, I should, I should sell your properties for you. I was like, I live here, I've been here for four years, the area's improving. No one knows it better than me because they don't live here. They're commuting somewhere else. I live here. And then, yeah. So even on the other podcast, my mentors like, how are you just going to ring up Berkeley Homes and just get work with them? I was like, as long as you have value and you know what you're doing, you can do it. So the whole thing with the job I've got now, that was, they're all the same. I don't Mm -hmm. feel, I don't feel any pressure making that call because I know what I can do and what I've done and two, how I can help add value. Yeah. Right? That's the main thing. So I don't want after this podcast, people just cold call CEOs and stuff, right? Cause they have enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> don't try this at home guys. <laughs> you, know, you have to really think about what you're going to say. Cause again, you have one shot with that person and these people are busy. So mm. if they're going to take a call, especially on their mobile, you really have to, get to the point, be clear and add value immediately to, to get what you want. It can't just be like, I need a job because everyone does that. They'll just say, go speak to HR. True. That's that everyone's... That to you? Sorry. Yeah, that, that's oh, something that's common for people if they want to necessarily fob you off as I like, speak to HR. <laughs> that's it. Last conversation's finished. <laughs> I know, right? These gatekeepers. So the way you approach and so the way you just, you know, you have, I mean, you clearly have this talent because again, that's probably the third or fourth example yeah. that we brought up in this conversation where you've actually gone out to, you've approached the company, approached the business and you've created some kind of job or business around that, you know, and, and you've done it again with, with Berkeley Homes. Um, you, you clearly have some kind of talent where you're able to just kind of go straight to the source and create some kind of opportunity for yourself, especially when you know you have value, especially when you know you can fit into that picture. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's a talent. I just feel again, British culture, no one wants to do that. No, we no so you think so back to kind of going any, back to the I wouldn't even say it's an American. Do it. I, was, I was doing this before mm. I went to, to New York. America. Right? Okay, cool. So it's got nothing to do with America or banking. It's just I want to do it. I just ask. Like that I don't think about anything else. If they say no, it's a no. It's not a big deal. And then learn from it. So anyone can do it. Because I know right now it's, it's difficult for a lot of people applying for jobs is boring. It's time consuming. Yes. If you know you're that good and you can find out who that person is on social media or whatever and you get the number, that's to me the, the quickest and best way. 
Best way. Right, why yeah. are you here for an interview and there's going to be loads of other people in all these stages? You can True. bypass all that stuff. And I've done it like three times. True. True. Why not? <laughs> why nothing, not? You have nothing no. to lose. You've got nothing to lose. I like that. You know, again, it's just being able to handle rejection is being able to have the confidence and the courage to just go out, go out and do that. The British culture is quite reserved. If you're listening outside of the, the UK, the British culture is quite reserved. So when you have people like Adrian doing what they do, um, you really have an advantage, an unfair advantage, because not a lot of people are doing what he's doing. So um, Adrian, what are your tips? To just again, any final tips to people, you know, trying to creatively find a job or creatively create some kind of business opportunity for themselves? Okay. I'm going to go with the <clears throat> the job perspective. If someone wants to try the method that I've done, maybe isn't as confident, which is fine. So you might want to write things down. Like these are the five reasons why I think I'm good at this role. And then look at the business. How can you help that business? okay, your competitor's doing X, Y, Z, or you've not done this. Don't <clears throat> don't just go asking for a job. I don't know if this quote is true or not. There's a saying that if someone breaks down and you're just asking for help, no one will help you. If you're trying to push your car by yourself, other people will come and push it. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got to show that you're doing something. Don't just, it's not a begging ball, right? People are busy, they ain't got time. So you've got to say something that sparks their interest. Like, okay, this person can really help. Oh, they've made, they've taken their initiative. All managers want everyone to have initiative, <clears throat> right? And you're sharing the traits that you're going to have bringing to the company already. Wow. That's a good way of thinking. Even, even, even without that. So another example, there's another company that I work for, which I got headhunted. I'm not going to say the name. And I did, I did loads of research. I did mm-hmm. about 20 hours, right? I got mm-hmm. really involved. I'm the type of person that will, look on Google and go for everything. 20 hours. My goodness. I'm one of them annoying Dedication. people that will, that will do that. Because I I have one shot for this job. True. And my friend is like, are you not coming out this Saturday? I'm like, no, I've got this interview on I Thursday. I He's like, that. Thursday? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. you're going to stay on the Saturday and do it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I, must on, I must have been on page like seven of links of stuff. And yeah. if anyone, again, another industry, payments. Right, payments is so big. Right. Um, and there's a thing called a four party transaction model. I'm not going to go through it and bore people. But I explained, <laughs> well, the whole process. I explained the whole process in the interview. I was like, yeah, you know, the merchant does this and you get paid and it goes here, it goes there, and all the other stuff. There's actually seven stages, it's not actually four. <laughs> and my, my, my boss is looking at me like I'm crazy. It's like, you really did all that research? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, wow, that's incredible. She's like, people that work here don't even know that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm different. And then she said something, and I was like, I want, I want, I looked her in the face, I'm like, I want the job that bad. And the crazy thing is with that, um, it wasn't, the mad thing was with that job, it was, Love that. it was like 240% pay rise anyway, right? So I got head on it. But because of that, 240% efforts, pay rise. Yeah. Crazy, man. Right? You are going to the moon, man. That's what contracting is, right? Okay. So, just for me doing that research and being yeah. over the top, I got an yeah. uh, increase in the day rate. Mad. So I'm not going to tell you what it is, but the... the, the no, 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 you'd have to have... That's, 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 but, that's down to but you. The thing is that the increase in the day rate was so ridiculous to me yeah. that it was just like, it was, you know, that's all it took. <laughs> all it took. So now from earning this, it's time to earning this from just researching. Yeah. 
and then you take that figure and then you take it to the next person and what happens. Mm. Impressive. Very, very impressive. And I think Adrian, just having this conversation, I think be it property, be it life insurance, what have you, I think anybody that's listening to this conversation would want to have you in there <laughs> on their side, man, to have someone like you on their side. I mean, there's not a lot of people like you out there who are willing to go the extra, extra mile to do that, to do all of this kind of stuff, honestly, mate. I mean, I applaud you. I honestly applaud you. For... <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. I look at the world differently. I'm just like it's good. Yeah, I want to. I just want to do. It. I don't really say like, oh, it's this company. I got to work for them. It kind of just, it just happened. And you said, why did I? I stop banking. It's like I worked for the biggest firm. There's nothing else for me to really do. I've, I've done it now. This is something completely different. Yeah, I like that. I really, really like that. Wow, Adrian. Um, it's really good having you on board on the sound of a car. Um, as we close up the show. Um, oh, I have one about I'm Ghana. <laughs> All right, before you go, you're saying connections are gone. I haven't tried peanut stew yet. I haven't. <laughs> so I need, to, I need to try that. If there's any Ghanaian people that are going to give me some peanut stew, you're yeah. going to have all my socials in the, in the feed. So let me know. I need to, I need to try it when I haven't tried it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's an announcement. Guys, mm-hmm. those of you you cook in Katia Quine or peanuts peanut soup, mm-hmm. holla Adrian, not me. I've had peanut soup already. This this Adrian <laughs> needs some peanut soup. Please holler him, ladies or gentlemen, please holler him and he will bring you some lovely jollof rice or banana bread or plantain, which are dishes that he's already familiar with. Okay? So that's that's his informal announcement. Um, formal announcements, Agent. Did you have any uh, final thoughts or announcements that you wanted to make before we wrap up the show? Yeah, if anyone needs help with it, uh, reach out because I get it. It might be daunting um, reaching out to someone you're not spoken to before. It's not natural. Um, <laughs> it is awkward, but you know what's the risk reward, right? <laughs> I look at it, but you want it or not? <laughs> Just do it. Just yeah. do it. I mean, I'm going from my mind saying, do I need to rename this the, the the title of this episode because it was mad inspirational, man. You know, shout out to you, man. Honestly, there's not a lot of people like you, and I think that's the thing, and that's why I'm so impressed. Yeah. So, guys. Um. So, in terms of uh, connecting with Adrian, I know you have your property business, which is Benjamin and Cole. We'll have the Facebook and the Instagram, you know, your website linked in the show notes on the soundofcrowd.com forward slash Adrian Benjamin. Okay. Um, and then also your LinkedIn, Adrian Benjamin, right? Okay. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Is if there's any other, you know, links, social media links, Adrian's going to share those with me and we'll have them in the links, sorry, on, on the show notes. And then we'll have some of his other podcast that he's been on on the show notes so you guys can check that out because he's such an amazing guy adrian thank you for (laughs) inspiring us with you know some fire um if the listeners have heard the same thing that i've heard then they should really be inspired and fired up that they they can get any job that they want that they can do any business that they want as long as they're seeing the opportunity and they're not afraid to take risks and they're willing to pull up their pants and get on that phone or you know do something that's gonna that's different to what the majority of the world's doing 
And with the point as well, with the three jobs and the Berkeley thing that I got, I didn't have experience in that field though, right? So the FinTech job in London, didn't have experience mm. in that. Berkeley, mm. they didn't even ask what have you done. And yeah. then life insurance, I don't have life insurance experience. Killed it. So it's not even, it's not even about that. Killed so it. I know some people say, oh, well, you've got experience, you've got that. I'm like, no, that's not why I got hired. <laughs> so this is the crazy thing. So on one end of the scale, you have someone has all the experience in the world, right? Which is what they want. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's that's just what the normal person wants. And then you have on the other side of the scales, you have someone that doesn't necessarily have experience or, or a lot of experience, but what they have is that you know the skills to fill it or the value to um, complement the opportunity that they've spotted. To, to, to solve or they've, they've seen a problem they've seen an opportunity that's not been spotted and they've they've got that value to then you know add to that opportunity um which is what that's the best way i'm trying to explain it mm-hmm. and again it's, it's age ages from like 21 to early 30 so again he might say oh well you know it's work experience it's this it's like no i, I did it two months ago it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter what industry you are if you're mm. going to someone where you want to work for them or with them or whatever, and you have a compelling case, you can have value. People will work with you. I love it. And another thing, if it wasn't um, phoning someone out of the blue, another thing that's different, which I'll tell people, I'd write someone a letter, right? If you write someone a handwritten letter, it might be a bit weird with GDPR or whatever. You might want to do it to the work address. Everyone is so used to sending emails and being on Zoom. No one gets letters anymore. A handwritten one. Every time I go to the to my post box, it's a bill. It's always a bill. <laughs> right? It's a positive. But if someone writes me a letter, like, I'm going to actually open it to address to me and read it. Read it. Different. Mm. So if you want to be yeah. extra different, send them a letter. And then send on the phone, it's a conversation with friend as well. Like, did you get the letter? I said, oh, actually, I got it. That it's handwritten. No one does that. Because yeah. again, that hiring manager might be from that generation where they appreciate it more. Yeah. And you know what you know what you you know who you remind me of, Adrian? Um you remind me of a few people. So you get the people that you've seen, you know, who are standing outside the tube station saying, I need a job, you know, I've got you know, I've got a CV, I need a job. Okay, that's one way of doing something different. And then you have people such as what's his name? The guy who's knocking on doors. Uh asking Reggie, how to make a Reggie. That's man, it, Reggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to my Ghanaian guy, Reggie. All right. Knocking on doors. Crane, Crane again. That's another way of creating the job. He knocked on doors, and then he knocked on this golden opportunity. And obviously, he's befriended this many multi-millionaire, what have you. And now he's got a good kind of career going on his life. I'll have the link in the show notes for that story if that you guys was, don't know. With when Reggie did that, it was great. And the, the the thing at the chief station, we seen these grads. It became so normal. Yeah, people it became it. normal. Yeah, but Reggie was right. different though. And again. I don't want to do that. Nothing wrong. All methods are fine because you want to get what you want to get. Yeah. To, but I'm not walking around yeah. in the cold. I'm not doing that. the He's calling. Oh. I rather call. Oh. I rather call. Oh. Yeah, and get rejected. Yeah, from the. So even, yeah, with the even with the breathing, David was saying, "Oh, did you go to there?" I was like, "No, I was in Manchester when I did it." So <laughs> we talking about. I was on the phone. You just call him on the phone. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Who did you speak to actually? I mean, not 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 the person, but I mean, what was it? Department? Or was it like a management? Just a normal, just a management department. I was like, I need to speak management to someone. Department. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, you just use your skills just to get through the certain person you wanted to speak to. 
Well, it's not a lie, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not is a it, lie. No, it's not it, a lie. I mean, you just use your sales recruitment process, skills to get. The process might sound a bit difficult to people that might not have done it. Where I'm searching in this mm. and that, but you go on the website. This is the regional director. This is who it is. Call them. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. So you just call them. So you call you call the regional director just like that. Yeah, the contact details on the website. They expect people to call that's, that's, that's it. That is it. The contact is on the it's, website. It's on, a, it's on a public setting. There is no yeah. LinkedIn and scrolling and paying. Like I don't need to do any of that stuff. It's this is the thing. It's so there and accessible that we're forgetting don't that. Like, how did you get my number? Like, it's on your website. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. It's just classic prospecting, classic cold calling, what have you. It's just going back to basics. And I think another lesson here is that just go back to basics. Forget with social that, media. With that word as well, because again, I've done recruitment. I hate the word cold calling. I hate that. And it's got a connotation mm. that's difficult and mm. it's bad. It's time regime, whatever. Or you're forced yeah. to do things that I don't want to do. When I'm calling someone about something that I want and how I can advise to them, that to me is not a cold call. Yeah, it's different. Right? It's not a cold call. I don't want to be... Because you you've well, actually... Because you've gone out, you've done your research. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you had about research them before and you actually know what you're going to say that's going to add yeah. value. It's not going to just, you know, bash them. The funny thing is, when I rang Joel, my MD, that conversation was like an hour and a half. Damn. Cold. Even when I spoke really? to you the other week, that was like a two-hour conversation. Yeah, yeah, that was a two-hour conversation. Yeah, you helped me. I spoke to you <laughs> in my life. I can have value. I want to help you, vice versa. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's just like, it. keep, keep doing it. You killed it. Honestly, you killed but it. The key thing is, when I, keep, I keep laboring the point, but you've got to add value. For example, I asked you to be on the podcast. You might have said no. Could have said, mm-hmm. Then I said, it's done. Be like, oh, he's got something of value to say. It's different. It's on the same lines of what we're doing. It fits in with what you're doing. It makes sense. It makes sense. Right? Yeah. And if I say, oh, let's just chat about football, I'm like, what's I got to do with the podcast? <laughs> I didn't value you. That's the true. thing. How can you add value? That's very true, man. That's very true. And yeah, Adrian, I value you. I value your time. Um, I'm aware of the time that's gone past. And this is going to be a great episode. This is a great episode if you're listening now. Um, once again, guys, head over to the salocard.com forward slash Adrian Benjamin, and you will have all the show notes from today's episode. Adrian, you've been an amazing guest. Um, I think season two has definitely, you know, been taken to another level, having guests like you, more kind of finance, banking, wealth, investing type guests. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really it's really a breath of fresh air to have. So thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Welcome. All right, guys. We'll speak to you in the next one. Take care. Stay blessed. Sound of a crowd podcast.